Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show in the ashes of WrestleMania 36 as we look to the future and try and work out what the hell WWE is going to do now. If you are interested and you knew that they didn't have any more content taped prior to Raw, so I say say post-Raw, apparently they're allowed to film a bunch of stuff on Friday. I don't know how this is possible, but hey, it's WWE. I guess they are considered essential workers. Uh, If you've never joined me before, thank you so much for joining me. Please do make sure you check out my YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Miller, where you can join a couple of these a week live. And of course, if you want to come on the podcast, you can do that too at patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. It's one of the perks. And that's exactly what we are doing today because my man is back uh, we've just figured out this could be the third time he has been my first guest post-WrestleMania, so it's tradition now, something we've got to do here on the show. It's my man, Joe. How you doing, my man? You good? I think this is my own form of the streak. We'll just see if I perform or underperform. <laughs> I believe in you, man. I believe in you. I think you can do it. I think we're going to get there together. Dude, before we... We've got loads of stuff to talk about, and you just came up with an absolutely fascinating story that we'll get into. But now, like I say, the dust has settled and we're kind of calmed down again. What did you think about WrestleMania 36 and the subsequent Raw? Obviously, the ratings came out for Raw. Uh, not really what the Raw after WrestleMania does. Obviously, we understand the circumstances there. But yeah, dude, give me a take on the whole thing. So I think everybody was going into WrestleMania wondering what they were going to get. And like in my case, like I always tell people, like you know, like I love Alexa Bliss, but after that first match, I wasn't sitting here thinking that this is going to be a barn burner for WrestleMania. And no uh, offense to them, they worked their asses uh, off. I, I think that's fair too, because I, I felt the same. To me, it was just, oh my gosh, hype, 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 hype. Oh yeah, we're still in an empty arena, right? And you it, could it, see it, some it, of the edits and stuff where Kyrie is magically coming off the rope <laughs> and stuff. And I know a lot of that's because they could. Uh, I didn't uh, notice that at first, but a mate mentioned yeah, it to me. Yeah, if you go back and it, watch yeah. it when Kyrie does the flying elbow, she just kind of appears there. <laughs> and does. I'm not someone that really notices camera cuts and stuff. I just happen to notice that one, I guess, because, you know, no crowd and stuff. Oh, uh, no, you're right, man. You're right. Hilarious. Uh, and then what got me was that the now, I'm, so I guess right after that, the, the, then we got the Corbin Elias thing where I just felt like I was being pecked to death by chickens. Like, <laughs> I like both of them, but I don't like them with each other. Like, it's like a breakup. It's not you. It's me. Uh, and so at that point, you're like, okay, where is this going? I actually really like Seth Rollins and and KO. Oh I, yeah, I, me too, man. I thought it was great. I I just people get mad at me on your podcast every time I bring this up. I listened to literally uh, Cornette right before this podcast because I had to hear what he thought of WrestleMania. <laughs> and you know he has a love affair with Kevin Steen all the time. And he was convinced. He's like, Kevin Steen was jumping off that sign. He's like, I don't know. He didn't care how he got there, but he was going off that sign. And when I saw that, like, it's kind of like if you go back to Evolution, when Becky just jumps off that ladder on Charlotte, and you're like, wow, Charlotte absorbed all of that. All of it. That's one of those where when he fell on Seth, I was like, okay, that looked like it. This all looks like it hurts. That looked like it really hurt. <laughs> uh, uh. But like everybody else, going into the Boneyard match, I was like, okay, what is this going to be? Uh, I loved it. 
I love that Boneyard match. I know it's not wrestling. I've heard all. I've read it. I've heard it now a bunch of different ways. I I like Undertaker looking more like I remember him and not like an old man. This enabled that. Uh, uh, I'm just kind of flying through this, and then we can talk off that. But I, I just thought that was so great what they did with that. And of course, AJ can make anyone look good because he's that good. And then going to the second night, it's like, okay, we've we've come off this, and WWE knows how good this was if they paid any attention. Where do we go from here? I I don't listen to Jim Cornette because I respect him, but it's just his negativity is just too much for me. What did he think about both matches, the Firefly Funhouse and so, the, the Boneyard? I mean, it's I could you could probably answer this without me saying it. So on the Boneyard match, he just said, you know, it's a movie. It's not wrestlers. It's you know actors acting like wrestlers. For of course, he didn't like that. He absolutely despised the Firefly Funhouse. But I disagree on him completely. Because, like- you know, he's a, he's a big Cena guy. Because, of course, he trained him in OVW. He was a part of that, you know, Cena, Batista, Orton. Yeah. 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 But uh, he said his favorite match of the whole show. And I actually agree. If you told me my favorite wrestling match in that entire show, I'm going to tell you it was Charlotte. I, I love those a, two yeah. beat the living crap out of each other. It was vocal. I'm pretty sure that chop block that Charlotte threw was just, I don't know how that didn't hurt somebody. That, that like, it was just, I don't know. I, again, I'm a random dude that's just telling, saying this on the internet. It's in front of an empty crowd. Make people watch that. The way they're, they're vocal, but they're not over the top. It's vicious, but it makes sense. They're big enough where the hits, like, you believe they are hitting each other. But from a wrestling perspective, those two were great. But I don't like the fact that Charlotte went over. No, I mean, a lot has come out since then as well. I, I agree with you. But uh, Rhea Ripley had to go back to Australia this week because her work permit ran out. And obviously, because of the situation, we, yeah, because of the situation we've got at the moment, she doesn't know when she's going to get back. But of course, you'd have to you'd have to hope the WWE has a some pool to make that happen. But even then, I, I would totally agree with you. And I don't mind. I'm always happy to let the story play out. But uh, even then, I always want to. Uh, I, I think it's the, it's the fallout for me. It's everything that happened afterwards, in the sense that I would, you know, basically what Charlotte said on Raw to me was just like, oh, she's just like everybody else. I'm the best, and I was like, well, I don't know whether we need to, you know, push that hard. On, t- I, I don't know. That that was my only takeaway from it. I thought I don't need. I don't think we need to run that into the ground so much. I think Rhea Ripley should still feel like a threat. I think Charlotte should maybe feel like she not got one over her, but was you know again just pushed a little bit harder than maybe she thought otherwise. Whereas now it's basically yeah, I beat her. Who's next? I beat you all. Who cares? That was my only small little thing. But like you said, the match itself was so good. I'm not going to be mad at it. So I forgot the guy's name, but there's a guy that likes to talk about the the, the deadliest pin and all of the deadliest move in all of sports entertainment. The surprise roll up. He sounds like an asshole and, to me. <laughs> yeah, guy just never. He's relentless. I tell you. Uh, I the Shayna Baszler Becky thing. I get it. You don't want you want a bunch of baby faces to win right now. I get it. I understand. Shayna really should have won there, and I, they're gonna drag it. They're gonna. It's like with Goldberg and Triple H. Goldberg got that belt a thousand years ago. He just got it two months too late. Shayna has been built. So uh, on a side note, so I was actually in person at the Rumble and Elimination Chamber. Right. And I, w- I went to the Rumble on purpose. I got a late work trip. I was in Philadelphia. Spur. I actually got into Philadelphia that night, late, and just went over there. And a scalper was desperate and unloaded to take it on me. And uh. 
when I went in there, I was in my Riot Squad shirt, and everybody's like, "By the way, you don't think you? Yeah, I know. They're, I know. I know Shayna's gonna win. Blah blah blah." But the way they built Shane up, I'm like, that's perfect. Shane needs to look like a murderous, murdering murderer, and they did that. And then I watched WrestleMania and went, I don't like that anymore because you undid the good you did when you had her kill your entire division. Well, I mean, that, that's, that, that's the strangeness of it to me, obviously. She ran rampant through everybody at the Elimination Chamber, and then Becky, again, you can argue it wasn't the most dominating victory, and they are going to continue on the feud. It is difficult because without that big crowd reaction, without that you know big crowd pop, it almost feels like we just you know flew on past WrestleMania and haha, things just happened. But yeah, yeah. Th- there were there were certainly a couple of eye raising eye raising results. I thought, but by and large, I will say I liked the show. I did, I did I like did the too. show. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. And even if you didn't like it, the fact that we've now seen CM Punk again at a WrestleMania, we got to see John Cena as a member of the NWO. Like there were just things in this where it's like. If you were going, I don't want empty arena matches, get creative. You can't really get – they did what you wanted. You might not have loved it. I loved that. I could, I've could. i watched that match now like three or four times because I was the Titus O'Neil where I was like, I don't know what I just watched. <laughs> um, but I'm with you. I think it was much better than it had any reason to be. I think you can clearly tell that they put everything they had into it, especially the people out there in the ring. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think Kevin Owens is fine watching him limp off after he was done. Uh yeah, I think it was great. Um, Raw after WrestleMania, well, you know, it was another Raw. I mean, we know Bianca Be- – now, I'm glad – I thought when Bianca Belair got fed to Rhea, I was like, can we – she – she, I love Shayna Baszler a whole lot. But when Shayna knocked off Bianca, I felt like that was the, the end of Bianca of what she could have been in NXT. So I'm hoping when they bring her to the main roster – I think she's strapped to the Street Profits, so that'll help. But it'd be really nice if they push her like she's capable because I think she can be so good. But other than that, like, at least, I mean, we didn't have a bunch of match replays. A couple weeks ago when they went right into that, when the last hour was, I forgot what even match it was now. I just was like, okay, I'm done with Raw tonight. So they didn't do that. It was, but, uh, it, it, it was shallow. It was a shallow episode of Raw. It was too many squash matches and too many random people. And, you know, you like the reaction of Nia Jax coming back. What did you think about the secret WrestleMania main event? I think I think it was good. Are you, you're talking about McIntyre and uh, Lesnar? A big show. Big show. Oh, big show. Oh, God. The Sorry. Secret, I, the I secret main event. I that from my brain. Um, <laughs> it would be like, so if, you know, uh, ups and Downs is airing in the year 20, 2070, and no one's seen you on the internet in 20 years, and you pop in and just start talking and going crazy, and people are like, where, where's he been? At one point, you really, really loved him, and they were awesome, but you have no idea why they're here now. And I know he's got that Netflix show coming, which is probably why they did that. Uh, but, like, do any of us need to see the big show in the ring again? I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's cursing my name because they love the big show. But me personally, after Survivor Series in 99, I'd had my fix. Well, no, I needed his his funeral. Will, his dad's funeral would live on in infamy as far as I'm concerned. But I digress. <laughs> I was all right with it. You know, I, I thought it, it, it was what it was. He won. That's the main thing. He won. It was just a way to have something on Raw. And look, Drew, if Drew McIntyre had lost, I'd be saying... Uh, very much different stuff on the subject of that netflix big show show as well you should watch it if you haven't seen it general public uh, i wouldn't say that it's good but i would say that it's the right kind of nonsense that it will definitely put a smile on your face proper old school cheesy american television 
but uh, I got a kick out of it. As My family has made me sit through that stupid Tiger King thing, so I need a Netflix break. <laughs> so. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. I'm sure I will. Oh, Everybody's God, just... jumping on it. Oh, Lord. Sweet, sweet Jesus. Moving on. <laughs> well, before we do move away from WrestleMania, there is one big story that I want to talk about, which has uh, come from WrestleZone. Again, take all rumors with a pinch of salt. But they say that it was actually Goldberg who a few months ago, so originally back in Saudi Arabia, uh, The Fiend was going to beat Goldberg. But Goldberg, you know, pushed for the fact, again, I don't know how true I think this is, but apparently he pushed Vince McMahon into having him win because he thought it was damage his image given that he sees himself as a superhero that can topple monsters and he he has this big kid fan base, which he does. For one reason or another, Vince McMahon agreed to that. And because WrestleMania was the last day on Goldberg's deal and you could argue that maybe there was a little bit of reservation there to what Goldberg has done, that's how everything came to be. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I don't. if Vince McMahon doesn't want to do something, he doesn't do something. So it's difficult for me to buy into this idea that he was... I mean, where does Vince McMahon ever bow to anybody? It, it just doesn't happen. But dude, give me your take on that. I mean, does it make so a difference to you? So I would caveat your last statement with, have you listened to Shawn Michaels? Because it seems like Shawn Michaels got everything he wanted. I've wondered if he has na- naughty pictures of Vince. Probably, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, he's probably got some dirt on him. My, I've kind of flipped on that in recent weeks to, you know, I mean... I'm with you. It all kind of, you have to just read enough stuff and think, decide for yourself what you think is true and what's not. I've come to the caveat that I think Vince listens to too many people and then does what he wants, where it can get more convoluted. But I can see Goldberg, you know, you know, get the match in the ring. You know, Goldberg is a superhero and I can see Goldberg talking him into that and either him not liking it or doing something different. But I thought when you put Goldberg in, that was stupid. I'm like, but Goldberg and him do the same thing, except Goldberg's matches are better than anything I ever watched at Hell in a Cell, which we'll never watch or bring up ever again. But when everybody was mad when it happened, but I thought it should have happened only because you booked yourself into a corner. Oh, yeah. Not to mention he never should have got the belt. Not to mention that should have happened, but like, if you're going to book that match, how do you beat Goldberg? And he's, he's Goldberg. Am I making sense at all? Well, apparently <laughs> you beat him by giving him four power slams in a row, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And it's like uh, Elimination Chamber 2018 when Braun Strowman had to beat everybody, but then he took 8,644 spears and then 1,900 you know, moves so that Roman beat him, but they could make Braun quote-unquote look strong. But Which is actually why I know a lot of people were griped that they were mad there was no men's Elimination Chamber this year. I thought that was WWE giving us a little credit for once and saying, okay, y'all know what's going to happen. Let's not play with your intelligence and have a match where you know who's going to win. Yeah. So for I'm one of the few people that actually like the fact we didn't do that again because Elimination Chamber just gets to the point where you're like, okay, just win so we can get to the storyline that they've been building, you know, kind of like with Shayna. No, I think so. I, I did. Well, this whole WrestleMania was a big, you know, hot podge of just throwing things together at the last minute. So... You know, I was kind of like, whatever, by the end of it. You just want to do matches, and then you could kind of see the growing situation in the world. And it was just like, let's just you know, let's just move away and get through this as best, as best as we can. I don't personally believe that Goldberg story. I think there's probably a deeper chat than, than that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's a lot more than I want to win. I, think, I don't think he does anything that simply anymore. 
Well, and the other problem as well is if Goldberg's whole thing is that he wants to defeat monsters, he just lost to Braun Strowman, whose nickname is literally the Monster Among Men. So, you know, I, I don't. I, to me, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense how one can make sense and one and one doesn't make sense. Uh, well, oh, sorry, I was going to say I saw on Cage Outside Seats just now about the. They say WWE is going to the AEW, you know, filming at places like filming kind of where, you know, no one knows where they're filming at to continue filming. I just saw that on Cage Side Seats. That's rumors from yesterday. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I'm kind of getting to the point now where I'm like, what makes y'all so special that y'all get to work? Like, <laughs> I know that people are going to get mad when I say that, but like, just send them home. Like, I, I, I. The shows haven't been what you thought they'd be, and you're apparently fighting it obnoxiously hard to be able to do these shows. And it just seemed kind of counterintuitive, but I digress. But I just saw that just now, and uh, I've kind of listened to you guys and where you're at on the empty arena stuff, but they sure are going to quite the lengths to keep doing it. I think it probably comes down to their TV contract more than anything. If they don't put on shows, I imagine they have to give some of the money back is my only is my only yeah. thought. I mean, I'm, I like I said before, I think it's a rock and a hard place. I appreciate the fact they're trying to entertain me, but I also, yes, I have mild concerns, but I, I'm just trusting in the fact and hoping, I should say, that everyone is putting health and safety first, which it sounds like, they sounds like they are. And before we move on for WrestleMania 2, I've lied. Uh, the rumor is also that apparently next time we see The Undertaker, he will be in another cinematic match. Apparently that is the plan for some time. And I just want to say I'm a huge fan of that. I I'd like to see him have one last match in a proper ring when he's ready to give it up. But until then, if you want to give me more cinematic Undertaker matches, I am 100% giving you a tick. I completely agree. I just hope they don't do this to people who aren't, you know, like there's certain people this match is perfect for. Like, you know, it the perform the the more performer like you know like no one knows the Undertaker stuff better than the Undertaker. The only way the cinematic match could be bad is to do with people who weren't ready to have one. But I couldn't agree with you more on that one. I think that him doing another one of these is great, and I think doing one with someone on I mean not on the caliber of AJ because I think that he's at the top of the mountain, but doing one with people like that I think that that's a win for everybody. No, I do too. I'm I'm very excited to see what they do with it. I think it's a uh... I think it's a great concept. I don't think like the Firefly Funhouse is something you can do again because that was bonkers. But the idea of a cinematic wrestling match, I'm uh, I'm 100% down for. Um, so, go on. Go ahead. No, you go, dude. No, no. I, I was going to finish your statement because I was going to start say something else real quick. Well, no, so, so was I, man. So you do your bit and I'll oh, do my bit. I was going to say on a side note. So what do you think of Shayna Baszler? I think Shayna Baszler is great. I, I like Shayna, but I don't like the material they're giving her. I don't need to see her... Uh, you know, over saying weird poems, whatever the hell that was on Raw. But I think uh, she's so legit, she can be given bad material and it's okay because I look into her eyes and I can see I somebody that could kick my ass. I think she's so good. Like, now this is a very side note, but I took my son to an NXT short before she came up and uh, we were watching the match and she did her usual thing. I, I think it was like a Jesse Camille or someone she was wrestling. And so she beats her and then she goes to the curtain and she stops. And she turns around and goes back and puts the girl to sleep. I look over at my son and his jaw has just dropped. And he looks at me and goes, she killed her. Huh. He's four. And I'm like, no, she didn't, Giles. And he's convinced that she killed her. And so I make him, okay, see, she got up. She's fine. And I make this joke because I always, we always forget that wrestling is for kids. When I got home, he would not let me turn the lights off. And when I said, why? Because Shayna Baszler was going to come out from under his bed and put him to sleep. And 
I just thought that I was like, well, I can't forget this stuff for kids, but that just stuck with me. I've got a kick out of that. But no, I just, I know people get really amped up on her wrestling ability. Like I know that wrestling Inc. and those guys like Matt Morgan, just, she just like seems to just eat away at their core being. But I think she's great. I think the first time I, you know, the hand stops, she does like old school heel reaction stuff. And I'm with you. Stop making her scripted to say like, you know, the, the weird poetry, you know, the inserted B word at random times. I get that's for effect. But like she's proven that, like, you know, she's good and she can do that kind of stuff. And I, I'm with you. I think she's awesome. But like not winning the elimination chamber or winning the elimination chamber, but not winning the rumble. I, like I was at that rumble and I'm not a Charlotte hater. But when Shayna went over the rope, I was like, do we like her or not? Like, do we actually like like is she like. It, it was a confusing uh, – uh, the seating at the Rumble was just atrocious from inside the arena. But that's a whole separate – but, like, when she lost at the Rumble, then she loses at Mania, and then you hear rumors about how much they loved her match with Kyrie or whatever, and it's like – these sound an awful lot like rumors I heard about other NXT superstars before I saw them going for 24-7 titles and doing bits and catering. I know, man. There's a, there's certainly a, a theme there, which is, which is very, very odd, but – I, th- I don't think we're going to know much until we're out of the crazy times and we have audiences back in arenas. I do think that would actually protect Drew McIntyre because WWE or Vince McMahon, I should say, can't sour on him because he has no reason to because ratings and there is no fan sure. reaction to react from. So I think it protects him, but I also think there could be uh, yeah wor- worries elsewhere. But we will find out. I mean, for me, I'm with you. I love Shayna Baszler. I like people that come across like legit, which is why I like Brock Lesnar to this Agreed. day. Agreed. I-, I, like- if I think you can kick my ass. I warmed you a little bit. That's just how it works. Well, if you look at the Rhea Charlotte match, that was realistic. You think like every time Rhea does that like cloverleaf thing, it makes her look like a monster and you believe it all. But I was going to mention, remember that thing I saw? I mentioned it before we got on here, but I saw this thing go across on the ESPN ticker about uh, Tony Khan being more involved with the Jaguars. That they think he's going to be more invested in the Jaguars this year than previously because that's what his dad and the owner wanted. And we've kept hearing more and more about him being invested more since Christmas and, uh, you know, the storyline stuff. And I just thought that that was interesting as his son's wrestling company ramps up that they're reporting that he'll have more Jaguar stuff to do. I mean, it is interesting, especially at the moment, because he has, you know, dived, dove straight into the AEW uh, pool, especially from a creative side now as well. He's not just the, the money man. And you know, he came out the other day on the internet and he was saying how much he enjoyed Tony Schiavone and Chris Jericho doing commentary, which I believe they've done for the next few episodes of AEW. So I don't know that because a lot of these people who are in high powered situations like Vince McMahon, right, do enjoy running themselves into the ground. So I, I suppose there's every chance that Tony Khan believes that he can do he can do both. But it's very it, it's treacherous. It, the reason I think it's a treacherous situation is because I love all elite wrestling and I think they're amazing, but they are not the entity of the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? That's an NFL franchise. It will. Yep, that's it, where the money that family's going to go. Exactly. If you're in the Khan, you know, hierarchy or whatever you want to say, there's no way that Sadiq Khan is going to put AEW before the Jacks. They're just not. It would be silly. Anybody would say that. So yeah, I am. Maybe he wants to take a step back from that. I don't know. Maybe Tony Khan has said, look, don't worry. I can balance all of this. Maybe he trusts Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks to sort of be able to take care of things when he has to be absent. I don't know. I mean, the football season obviously is a few months away and we don't even know when sports will will kick up again. But I, I like when you brought it up to me earlier, I do think it's a bit of a fascinating situation. What do you think it means, man? What does it entail? 
Well, like I said, they got rid of uh, Tom Coughlin last year, who was their vice president. I forgot the exact division because the terms change. But it seemed more like, and I could have missed the hiring, you know, everything's going on, but it seemed almost like a replacement by committee thing. And he'd always had a part with the Jaguars. He'd always served a purpose. But, you know, if if the guy that has twice as much money as Vince says that you have a new role, then you're going to have a new role. But, uh, again, you don't know what to believe or not to believe, but, like, the women's division in AEW, the stuff you love, there's, you know, other things that would need work. And I know that nobody probably knows that more than him. I think that Tony Khan's got a much better wrestling head on his shoulders and he gets given credit for it because people want to call him a money mark or whatnot. But it, it, at a time when, you know, they just got their TV deal increased by TNT, that like they're on the upswing. Like you think he'd be more invested than ever now. I would say so, yes. I'd be surprised. I mean, that's certainly how he comes across with his, uh, well, just the way when he talks in interviews and whatnot. I think he can, I think he assumes he can manage both and more power to him, you know, more power to him. If that's what he thinks he can do, we'll have to wait and see. But I do truly believe, as important as Tony Khan is to that company, and I think he's essential, I would imagine that he, again, he probably has so much faith in the rest of his team that he doesn't have to be there 100% of the time. So, so one thing I'm known for on this podcast with you and everybody else is I'm, a fa- I, I'm great at staying on topic and not just going from one place to the other. But one thing I wrote down I wanted to mention to you, what did you think about the last man standing match where we had an actual spot where we hung somebody from a, meat, uh, a, a weight rack? Well, to- I, I'm not going to lie. Maybe I need to be more intelligent with how I watch my professional wrestling, but it went over my head. It did. It went over my head. It was. I only remembered it because we just watched Dark Side of the Ring. But I, if I hadn't seen that, it would not have stuck. Yeah, but I'd watched that as well, and I guess maybe you know, it was. I was watching it in the early in the morning, and I was tired. Who knows? But when you do start hearing other people talk about it, especially because there were uh, plenty of stories that had affected some wrestlers. Yeah, I do. I think sometimes it's just be. It, I don't know. Maybe it just got through the editing process. I can understand why that has happened. I've put videos out where I'm like, oh, somebody should have caught well, me. Not to that degree, but little errors here and there. But yes, I think when you're working and operating on that level, stuff like that really should be just to be ta- just err, you know, err on the side of caution. And I also wonder kind of if my thing. reaction means I'm becoming that wrestling fan. Because one thing that annoys me is I feel like throw the public traded stuff out the window. There's so many things WWE can't do anymore because they're deemed offensive. And I'm not talking about bullying and stuff, just storylines they would not do. And so when I things bring things and say things like that, I'm like, well, am I becoming part of that same problem? Should I have just watched that bit and not thought that? Um, but one thing I wanted to mention to you to see if I was crazy since, you know, you, you feel more. I, I, when I went and watched Elimination Chamber, I was driving home and I was thinking to myself that like, WWE books so all over the place that like if you become a fan of just one or two people, I feel like you're setting yourself up to fail because, you know, it's just booking so wonky. And so I feel like if you, you've got to be a fan of like probably four or five or six mid-card talent strongly or you're not going to just to have something to pull for that way, something in an event that you would like probably is going to happen. But uh, like I was watching it. The Elimination Chamber with what it was Shayna and like uh, I've become a big fan of Ruby Riot and I was just like oh man maybe she can get a little bit oh no she's not never mind that's that was short <laughs> yeah trip. dude that's a bad move bad error and it's second. like I know that only me and seven other people and some guy who forgot to turn the remote off cared about the Riot Squad breakup but like in a perfect time to try to tell that story 
They had the one match on Raw, which I think people just could not take at the time. And the Elimination Chamber, when they had a chance for it to play out. And by the way, I, I love going back to watch that. If you look at I, not uh, not Ruby and uh, not Liv, the other uh, the other uh, member of that uh, squad. Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan tapped out so quick that she, if you look, her reactions didn't even catch up to what she was trying to do. Like, she's like, she like fell over like she was passed out and then taps. And it was just, you could tell that she was a little discombobulated there. But it was one of those where like, I, I don't know. I think I'm just rambling now. But I was watching it. I'm like, well, I guess if you pull for enough mid-card people, someone will do what you like. I know what you're saying. Yeah. You get invested yeah. in people, but you don't really know what direction they're going to be pushed in. I mean, at one point, it looked like we were going to have a three-way at WrestleMania between those girls. And then they all just vanished. <laughs> and, you know, apart from Liv Morgan, who now has just seemingly forgotten about all of that. We don't see Ruby Wright. We don't see Liv Morgan. Um, we don't see Sarah Logan. So I, I tell you, it makes more sense to spread your bets, basically. If you hedge your bets and... Uh, you know, try and yeah, not invest think, in one person. That you're usually. Do you think Becky's a little past her sell by date yet? Well, I was, ne- I was never. That's not the wrong way to say on it. I, I love Becky Lynch. I think she's great, and I think she's fantastic. But I was never as excited about her as, as some people. Just the same way that I preferred Matt Hardy to Jeff Hardy. It was just one of those things. Um, I think the issue that we have now is that she, ne- she, she just needs to have. Well, I guess it's the inconsistencies with the character because on one half, she's yep. really, really confident. And then every time we get into a feud, she's like, oh, I'm really worried again. I'm like, but I thought you just went through You mean when this. she turned into Eeyore before the Oscar match at, at the Royal Rumble? Eeyore? I need to, what do you mean? Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I know, that, I know that, yeah. But what did what did she do that was Eeyore like? Suddenly she was so sad and so beat up and didn't know if she could do it. Meanwhile, she's wearing a gold coat and like acting <laughs> like she's, she's Conor McGregor and then she's not. Like... I'm with you. It was just weird, but uh, it was one of those where I'm, I, you know, I think that I, she's, she, in my mind, whether it's fair or not, I think 20 years from now, they're going to be calling her the female diesel from the standpoint of what the business did while she was at the front of it, which I don't think is completely fair, but no, I think, I, I think we've changed too much now because when diesel was the champion, it was all dependent on him. Whereas now yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what it's dependent on nowadays. It's just it's just a bizarre a bizarre train that keeps on moving. But I do think we have to move away from this idea of Becky's confident. Becky's confident. She has a few dollars. She's a bit worried. Becky's confident. Like just just be confident. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin used to be, and then you lose, but you still don't care because you're you know you've got that arrogance and you've got that ego. But yes, the I love ha- the the Seth Rollins Becky Lynch storyline could never have happened, and the world would be a better place. Uh, Lacey Evans was not ready for that push when she got it. So it became one of those Becky's in a feud where she's the one you care about, but the other one you don't. But, you know, we all know she can't go anywhere near Charlotte because we're so tired of it. And I felt like not putting the belt on Shayna, like everybody, like, so I've said this before, like I didn't watch wrestling for about 20 years, but when I became a fan of Alexa Bliss, I went back and watched old stuff. So I watched a lot of that stuff where she had the feud with Becky or whatnot. And while my favorite of that was Alexa, you can tell that for a long time, Becky just had faith. People liked Becky. Like, even before she became the man, people still cheered for her. And you could just tell she had that, we want something good to happen to you. And it seems like you're to a point now where it's like, like at the Rumble, I was there. That pop was not, like, after her music went off, I could talk to the person next to me and hear what they were saying. And so 
I think the crowds died down some. And, you know, I granted it was going to happen, but I saw a lot of the tweets at Mania, Cena wins Lowell, you know, but now it's Becky wins Lowell. But uh, I'm just wondering if it's one of those where, and also have Shayna beat her, and then you can have the heartfelt story of her chasing back up to get the belt. But I'm with you. You probably don't know when you can do that because who knows when you can wrestle again. But again, it just, I'm with you. Maybe it's, I've always been a fan, but never loved her. But I just wonder, like, now it's time for either have her chase something or something because it's just, it's the same thing. And since I can't, since I'm still infuriated the women's tag titles exist, and having told you Alexa Liss is one of my favorite wrestlers, I think that's an interesting statement to make. But they need a mid-card belt in the women's division as bad as me and you need our hair back. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, they just, when you've got one singles belt for a division that I think has 64,280,000 people in it, I know that people say the same thing, more belts, WWRs, and down we can't trust them. I get that. But it's like the North American title. you got to give women in that company something else to chase. And you made these stupid tag titles that nobody cares about. And someone's going to be really mad at me about that statement. I, I don't mean that they couldn't be cool. I just mean that they're, you know, they're not. And in, in, in the way that WWE builds tag teams. And you've got, as long as Becky's that, you know, plug in the pipe where nothing else can get past her, there's just this extremely talented women's division that's just in line behind her. I, I would agree with that, yeah. I think I, I think I said that on ups and downs the other day. We've got to make sure there are people ready to go that aren't named Charlotte Flair as soon as this Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch feud is done. And I wouldn't necessarily say we're there yet, especially with someone like Liv Morgan, who I think is really talented and doesn't really get her due. Um, from the from the wrestling fans, that is. I I hope that WWE sees what they have with her, and they and they treat. Uh, and I know push? part of it, like, like if we if you did a like Rib, a Ruby Riot podcast tribute, you could put me on there because I'm such a huge fan. But like when she came back, I'm like, cool, let's make her a baby face. We can do so. Okay, no, she's gonna do the WWE thing where she attacks her old friend and blah blah blah. But it's one of those where it's like, well, if you'd made her a baby face, what would she have done? Who would she have wrestled? Like, but. Like you said, Liv Morgan, Ruby, and then Sasha and Bailey, which I think might happen before me and you are, you know, checked into our old folks' home. I think I'm not quite sure. They've only got 40 or 50 years, but I, I, I just feel like you've got a plug in the pipe, and with a women's division that has gotten as good as it has, and you've signed every woman on planet Earth pretty much. Uh, I just feel like you either need another mid-card belt or Becky needs to get out of the way because it's just stagnated. And I won't keep beating that drum because I know we have other stuff to talk about. <laughs> no, no, dude. So I, dude, this is why we get people like yourself on, man. I love to hear opinions. Uh, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I, again, everything just seems to have hit the full stop button uh, for me at, currently. But, you know, every character has to evolve. I think that's the, that's the key. Every character has to evolve. Uh, have you been watching Dark Side of the Ring? I shall throw out there. I So I love Dark Side of the Ring. Um... So like I said, uh, when I was five or six in Texas, it was the whole stuff with uh, the stuff in Dallas uh, uh, with all, with this, uh, brothers dying left, right, and center. And so I had that little investment from family telling me how great that uh, those guys were when I was younger. And so that got me in the dark side of the ring. But like after the Montreal Screwjob, which actually unveiled information we didn't know, which I did not think was possible at the time, them showing me that New Jack is a crazy whatever you want to call him, but a reason to his madness. And if the stuff in my childhood, if the stuff in his childhood happened to me, I might be a heck of a lot worse off than new Jack. Yeah. But they tell such fascinating stories. And because they're not 
affiliated with any company, they're honest. But the Chris Benoit stuff, like I wasn't watching wrestling when that happened. So I had no, I didn't realize he almost killed the business and everything else that he did and all that kind of stuff. But these stories are fascinating. The more of them we get, the better. But I just love, I've watched, and what I, it's one of the few shows I'll watch more than once. Because I know I'm going to see something I missed. But no, I think they're fascinating. And I think that wrestling needs more that, Wrestling needs more stuff like this that's not affiliated with somebody who would change the narrative to fit what their company would want it to be. Have you seen I, the latest one with the brawl for all? No, I have not. It's just got taped. Um, I, 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 am fa- I, I am fascinated. That's one. As I told you beforehand, I've had a lot going on at the house. <laughs> no, that's all good. Just before, so, before I start talking about it, I just want to make sure I know where we're at. But yeah, I watched it this morning. Uh, because somebody just put it on YouTube and it came up in my recommended feed. So I was like, man, I'll watch that. So I did. And it's, uh, I've always been fascinated by the brawl for all as you know, Jim Cornette <laughs> rips apart on this episode. The reason for my fascination is simply because in a sport where you're meant to think that it's real, even though it's not, you're now having real fights and telling people, well, the other fights then must not be real. Like it's an incredible concept to put on your television show. And yeah, I implore anyone that hasn't seen it or maybe isn't interested in seeing it, definitely go and watch it. It's just, oh my gosh, it's just, like I say, it's just... I'm definitely going to watch it today, but like also, I'm in the same boat as you, going back to things I loved as a child and going, ugh, mainly things, you know, treatment of women and whatnot. But now that I've got an understanding of, you know, concussions and CTE and stuff, going back and watch some of that stuff and you're like... So your answer was to actually have them starting to hit each other hard in the head and things of that nature and whatnot. Well, yeah, they talk about it on there as well. And Vince Russo actually is quite uh, remorseful about doing that. I mean, I don't put that on him because, you know, everybody was getting smashed in the head with far other things before they put them in brawls. But it really is a case of Jim Cornette and his passion for wrestling going against Vince Russo and his very casual look at wrestling. And I think I completely remember that it happened. I just had to have it, you know, reminded to me. I completely forgot that when we when we uh, debuted, uh, oh the the porn star wrestler who won't shut up about how much he hates the coronavirus, and we're all Val, uh, Val Venus. We debuted him with Jenna Jameson going down on him in theory in his opening promo video, and I'm like, man, if there's not a more attitude era skit than that, I can't think of one. But that's why, again, but, that's why this one is a really interesting. You you can almost see the di- the divisions happening backstage at WWE. It just happens to be presented, you know, through the brawl for all. And you hear about Darren Drozdov, who obviously got uh, paralyzed a few a couple of months, I think, after that. And you know, you hear from the Godfather and about the, what he went through and how really, in many ways, that whole tournament was set up so that Vince Russo could what Bradshaw get beaten up. That was basically the catalyst for this whole thing. He didn't like Bradshaw's attitude, thought he had a chip on his shoulder. So he was like, okay, you think you can beat everybody up. I'm going to go to the boss and I'm going to arrange this tournament and you're going to get your head kicked in. And of course, it has all the fascinating stuff about um, Dr. Death Steve Williams and how they all thought he would just smash through everybody and then he could work a program with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the complete opposite happened and he gets smashed by by Bart Gunn and it was the end of his WWE career. The brawl for all, given that how short it existed, like I say, it's a fascinating watch. I always, I wouldn't say I liked it as a kid, but again, I was intrigued by it because it was just so odd. But looking back now, genuinely one of the worst ideas they've ever done. And the amount of carnage that comes out of the back of it, you I, you know, it's not as dark as the, um, the New Jack one, of course not as the Benoit one. But in terms of just leaving you with your head in your hands going, what the hell? It's a fascinating so, watch. Growing up in a small town in Texas in the 90s, like you, you were... It, 
there's being a Stone Cold fan and there's being a kid growing up in Texas being a Stone Cold fan, right? But it's fascinating to me as we see more of the stuff now of like, you know, like he's at home watching Mark Merrow get sable bombed where he calls Vince and goes, uh, that's not happening. Or not liking the way Triple H got pushed. And don't get me wrong, Hogan and them can play. We could do whole shows on them, but not wrestling people and throwing their power around. But, you know, everybody likes Stone Cold. And there's, a, you know, we've talked in the past about things we forget about him that are very unsavory because we want to. But, you know, it's just his run was kind of fascinating now. And you look at his win loss record and the stuff where he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not feuding with Jeff Jarrett. I'm not doing this kind of stuff. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, like he was probably the last person we heard that stuff about because, you know, he doesn't have famous. I mean, he's got the Lesnar thing, but he doesn't have like the famous Cena. No, I'm not losing to the Nexus moment. But he's got a bunch of little ones where it's just kind of interesting where you can kind of see how he pieced together that little eight nine year period and it's i don't know it's it's a it's kind of fascinating with stone cold at the time and how he survived that long in that era you know i know what you mean i know what you mean i just it's austin and the rock as well though they were just the fact that both of those guys came along i think that's why you were able to do stuff at the brawl for all target back into that austin the rock had such a a chemistry with each other and such a connection with the audience that you could basically have an under and mid card that was utter gibberish but when those two guys came out to fight, you just believed in everything you were seeing. So you almost forgot. Like you mentioned the whole Val Venus thing. I, I sometimes look back fondly on the Val Venus character. And then when I actually watch it taking place, I'm like, no, no, this is this His is not shirt was literally written in sperm, if you believed it. Oh, yeah. Like, his, his finishing move was it, the money shot. It was, you know, but everybody talks about that casual audience. Well, like, so there was a uh, VHS tape going around my high school of the – Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. And that wasn't just passed around by dudes. Like, the cheerleaders watched it. Football players watched it. Like, that 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 thing went around our school, like, people watching it. But it was because everybody was so invested at that time. But that also makes you forget the stuff where if they did that now, you would have Y videos that literally were still happening. Like, you couldn't do podcasts. You'd still be doing Y videos. Sorry, well, how do you mean, man? No, no, just like if, if if the stuff happened in the Attitude Era they were doing now and you had to actually talk about it the next day on YouTube. Oh, I like, see, right, yeah. I you would have so much to talk yeah. about. Like you would talk until they were like, we're out of internet, Simon, stop. Like there'd be so much <laughs> stuff to reflect on. But we were so into it, we didn't care. No, it's rare. It, it was of its time. Yeah, look, looking back now, it certainly wasn't It certainly wasn't great. I mean, talking about Attitude Era guys as well, have you watched the Edge documentary as well on the network? I did. And also, did you see that small piece of The Undertaker one? I, I've seen the clip. I can't wait for it. I don't know when it drops, but man, I've got to watch that. It sounds it's like for the first awesome. time in ages, we have two WWE documentaries that are just now, going to be super honest. I told you Becky's pop at the Rumble was quiet. When Edge came out, it was deafening. Oh, yeah. Well, DJ, you could tell that, man. <laughs> so I'd never been to a wrestling show that wasn't a basketball arena, you know, that's better set up for wrestling because all the seats are going up. Yeah. And so I was eight or nine rows back from the ring. But in flat seats, that's actually not as great a thing as you would think it would be. So I kind of have a different perspective now when I'm buying seats to big shows. But when he came out, the pop, like, I mean, people, it was the it was by far the last. It was it was louder than Drew at the end of the night. But no, that documentary is fascinating because you realize what we underestimate what it must be like to not be able to go do that anymore. And she talked about not sleeping and how. He, what kind of person he was like because it just got yanked out from under him. 
And then the path after that second surgery, it's just get, these are things where you're like, man, WWE can really tell a story. And you're like, but, but yeah, I'm with you. It's, it was fantastic. No, it's, it's an honest, true story. And it's a story of redemption in many ways as well. And Edge is a quite a fascinating character when you look into it. But yeah, if you, if you have, if you're not, you know, obviously lots of people have quite some time on their hands at the moment, certainly put it on because um, it's just the way that he even realizes that he's going to maybe make a return to wrestling by falling off a bicycle. You're like, what a bizarre revelation. What a bizarre well, revelation that is. It's, it, yeah, it, it was, it was, it's just, it showed how honest it was. And like I said, in an era where promos in WWE are generally not something I remember when he came out and did the, I've got grit, you believed it because he did like, that's the only reason he'd be back in that ring at 46 doing this. And it, it, it's one of those promos that stuck out because you believed it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, it's unlike when he sends Stone Cold out with, with, with cue cards, and as he said, he uh, uh, gassed himself out on the way to the ring. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. The Edge stuff that was really good, and it made me get more into the. I had recently watched the year-long The Chronicle uh, on Alexa Bliss. I won't bring her up again. I know people are like, stop talking about Alexa Bliss, but it showed that like. That kind of stuff they do so well where, like, it, it really puts these, uh, you know, entertainers, wrestlers, or however you want to say it, in a different light where you do get it more. And they do such good stuff. And so when they inevitably move the uh, uh, pay-per-views to somewhere I've got to pay $60 for them and I'm paying $9 for documentaries, I'm glad those will be there and they'll still be good. <laughs> well, that was meant to happen this year, man. I look forward to when that announcement comes out and how people will react. Ultimately, they never should have put the uh, WrestleMania on the network. But hey, we got a good few years out of it, dude. Before- Apparently, you saw, I saw that he never wanted it on the network. He no, just did that no. because Barrios and the other VP wanted it. Yeah, it and he the- said, "Okay, fine." But he never wanted Mania free on the network. No, it was it was not his decision. So yeah, take that take that for what it's worth. Uh, so did- there you go. Vince does listen. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you, you can convince him. Dude, before we do wrap up, what was your opinion on the Edge versus Randy Orton match, given that we brought that up and given that you've seen the documentary and you saw his return live as well because I was invested and I was like, well, it was okay. But I'm wondering if it was any different for you. It was about 20. I, as someone who's watched the Iron Man match between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in Norton amount of times, this was the second longest his- match in history of Mania after that one. It was. And it was about 20 minutes too long. It, they, the, the, the count outs were too slow. The, the, the build up to the concerto, the DDT on the truck. Like it, it was just, I'm with you. There was stuff in it I liked, but it was just too long and it drug out too much. And, uh, yeah, I, it's for a storyline that was that strong. It's just, it, the match itself wasn't anything to, that I think people will look back on fondly, but I think it was just too long. I think you're right. Uh, it's, it's such a shame. I mean, again, that's another one of these feuds that was amazing in the build, but then when it came to the payoff without fans and that rabid electricity and the the craziness you can get in an arena, it just suffered and it always was going to, but it was a massive it was a massive shame. What do you want Edge to do now as well? I'm going to presume his feud with Randy Orton continues once we can get fans back in the building. Do you think we see him before we get to that point? I, I think we're going to see him and Christian together sooner rather than later for something. Um, I, it, I said something a a while back about if Punk came back, I wanted him to take on somebody in his era. And I realized how dumb that sounded in retrospect. 
I want to see him with somebody new now. I want to see him with someone that, you know, he wouldn't have had a chance to go at nine years ago. And I don't know who that would be, but like I was sitting there thinking about, I wonder like when money, like they think the coronavirus stuff, its peak is a couple weeks from now here in the U.S. Because we had the most deaths from coronavirus ever yesterday, so it's still growing. But that made me start thinking like when is money in the bank probably going to happen and like in front of people, that kind of stuff. And so that delays what you'd want to do with anybody. But I just think in my head, so someone, if after Orton, I want it to be someone newer, not to, I guess, get the rub off, so to speak. But I think it would be like, oh, I didn't see that coming, but that could be an interesting feud. Because you don't, Edge probably isn't the kind of guy that would Hogan them, where like, oh, no way. Them 10 times, like, he'll probably, he'll do the Jericho where he makes somebody look good and that there'd actually be something from it. Um, no, he, he's do not- you, so before we get off this, and the observer, that bit about Punk's agent reaching out to WWE. Do you think he actually reached out to WWE? Like, do you believe that part of the story? Mm, why not? I, I don't think it makes him look bad or WWE looks bad. He was probably just testing the waters. I don't necessarily. Th- I don't think CM Punk wants to wrestle again. I, think I don't I, either. I think if he had wanted to wrestle again, he could have had the world at his feet because he's money and he's business. And I don't think they would have built sacrificed... AEW around him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they would have sacrificed that for a spot on WWE backstage. I think he got offered a no. job at WWE backstage. I would imagine the agent that just said was anything that we can do with WWE. WWE said no. And they said, okay, thank you very much. And then it gets extrapolated and becomes this big rumor. I think if CM Punk ever does wrestle again, it will be because somebody offers him so much money. He thinks to himself, well, this would be ridiculous to turn it down. But ultimately, I don't think he cares. And more power to him. He can do whatever he I wants. I agree. We, we, we talk all these years about how we hate people that just can't stop doing it. Yeah, I know. And then they don't come back and we yell at them too. And I- he clearly... <laughs> Like, you know, and plus it's one of those two where it's like, if you believe the, I didn't want to deal with anybody in the wrestling business for years after he was gone, I'm sure people aren't, you know, really clamoring. If you hear like, you know, Heyman and them, if, if somebody didn't talk to me for a few years, I probably wouldn't be begging for them to come back. But I just wanted your opinion on that one. Cause it's, I'm with you. The punk stuff is kind of fascinating in some points of view, but I just, the, the look in his face is not of a man who really wants to do this. No, no. I, I I know he's on WWE Backstage uh, next week as well, so that'll be interesting. And look, more power to him. He's had a very successful life, a very successful career. That's it. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know anything else. Oh, my computer so, went weird. Ignore that. Sorry, you're gone. No, no, I was going to say, I didn't know where you wanted to go next. I was just, uh, it's been such a weird, I was thinking about this. I was... When I've previously been on after WrestleMania, we like had an hour and we could have gone forever on what happened at Mania. But with this empty arena stuff and the things you kind of just, you know, like, you know, like I realized like some WD wrestlers, they like they still do things like there's a crowd there. Like Edge's promo was great because he did it to the camera. But like the people who get up on the rope and I'm like, who are you talking to? But I did. Uh, now I'm thinking about it. What do you think of the Undertaker promo when he came out on Raw and basically said the entire new roster sucks? I'm glad you showed up after all the good people uh, left. No, I didn't mind that. I, I think sometimes people read into things a bit much. It went again. It went over my head as well. It went. Over, it's just a so, promo, and it's like it's the Undertaker. It's fine. I agree, but that was just one of those where I'm shocked in a scripted era. Like, I'm with you. I don't really care, but like, if I'm Seth Rollins or Roman or someone like that, I'm like. You know, I could see that. And I'm with you. The Undertaker can do whatever he wants because he's the Undertaker. Um, but it was one of those where I was just kind of surprised. But 
And I think also, like you said, I think in empty arena stuff, things stick out that otherwise would not. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And I think if you are Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns, he's the Undertaker. So you just respect the crap out of him anyway. So it almost... Uh, it almost what do you think work. about the Messiah? I don't talk about it. I'm a religious man. So I don't, I just, I let, I let it play out and I don't okay. say a word. That's, <laughs> that's how. No, no, I, I completely agree. That's kind of what I was getting at. Like, I, I feel like that was such a, and I'm not going to go into it either, but it, it, it was an, I don't, I'm shocked that that's what they did with him. Cause I think that's, especially right now, kind of interesting, but, well, but no, I'm on the same wavelength with you there. It's just every time he comes out and like, I'm just like, I, I don't know if this is what we should have done with him. Like, well, I, 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 I think in a creative environment, you have to let everybody do what they want to do. But I also think you can choose just to ignore it. And that's what I've done. I focus on all the other stuff. I don't focus on it. Fair. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, dude, we are going to have to wrap it up because uh, time is against me, to say the least. I have to jump into another interview in around about five minutes. So we will, uh, we will draw a line under there. But Joe, I want to thank you as always for the support. And of course, coming on uh, again after WrestleMania, the official tradition of Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. Awesome, man. Thanks. Like I said, so like last time, so the first time I got three death threats, then I got two death threats. And so like we're going in the right direction of less death threats after your podcast. Let's have zero death threats. If people don't so, like it, you can turn off. It's very easy. So, so I, 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 I want to let you know, I think the internet's going the right way. Good. We're, we're, well, I, but thanks for having me on, Simon. It's awesome. I love talking to you about wrestling. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate the support as always. Again, if you want to show some support or you want to come on the podcast, it's just patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316. And genuinely, thank you to everybody who uh, reaches out and helps me do this. I wouldn't be able to do it without you. Keep enjoying life as much as you can through the madness, and I will keep making these podcasts as much as I can. I will talk to you all again very soon.